Hello and welcome to another edition of the Plastics Podcast. You're joined by me, Jacob Burke, and producer, Maddie Gaylor. Hello. Blair's out on vacation this week, so this episode, Maddie and I will be discussing the U.S. men's performances against Jamaica and Panama. Also, me and Maddie will be having a frank conversation on the Newcastle deal via questions and answers. Maddie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, first time caller. Been here Long every time episode. listener, first time <laughs> caller. How are you feeling? Uh, nervous. I don't like hearing my voice back at me. Okay. Well, yeah. you're going to have to get used to that. Yes, because I have to listen to this at least three more times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. Okay, so let's uh, actually, you know, this uh, the audience has never seen you or heard you, really. They've seen me every a video we've put out. They've like seen the YouTube series. I've been in every video. Right, I sit, I right. sit right so there. So the audience has never really heard you. They don't really know who you are. Okay. Hi. So can you just do a little intro on yourself? Hi, I'm uh, Maddie Gaylor. I got into soccer, what, two years ago now? And uh, I, I live with I live with the guys. Okay. <laughs> That's- so me, uh, Blair, and Maddie... And we have another roommate, Zach. Shout out. Uh, we all live together. And so me and Blair and Maddie and Zach all pretty much watch soccer all weekend long. And then we compile our takes, our stats, our stories on the game and the world at large. And we sit down here. And Maddie is the person behind the production of all this. Who did you compare me to tonight? <laughs> Who did Zach compare you to tonight? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not. Producer... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maddie, you are not Stephen A. Smith. So thank God. Um, but you know, we'll see if we can bring out your Stephen A. Smith. I actually do want to hear uh, <laughs> hot takes, uh, overwhelmingly, you know, uh, controversial opinions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, can you briefly just tell me, take me through uh, your allegiances in the world of soccer? Who do you support? Um, who are, who's a player you enjoy and maybe what your personal experience is with the sport? My personal experience has just been tragedy. I think. Okay. I think actually the first player I ever started following was our fallen soldier, Christian Erickson. Ah, uh, yeah. But, uh, but you followed him because of FIFA. Because of FIFA, I saw okay. you playing FIFA one yeah. time, and I was like, "Who's that guy?" Yeah, I like him. And then he was playing at Tottenham at that time, and then I followed him to Inter, and I've kind of become like a Inter fan, a super I, fan, an yeah. Ericsson super fan. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. And then so I was really excited for the Euros because Denmark was doing well. Yeah. And then Christian wasn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> Christian Eriksen collapsed on the field. Uh, in the Euros, and he has not played any professional soccer since. He has not appeared for Inter, so we wish him the best of luck, and we hope he recovers to play professionally again. Uh, what what domestic team do you support? I support Leicester City. Okay. And Leicester City women's team. Of course. The Foxes. The Foxes. And I obviously support the United States men's national team and women's national team. Okay. Who's your favorite Leicester player? Do you have in one? In Denmark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to brush that into the rug. Do you have one that you connect to that you, that, that kind of brought you into the team? Like why you chose Leicester? 
I chose Luster because I liked their story. Okay. Uh, I like the Cinderella aspect okay. of it. They're like kind of middle of the pack. I'm used to being a Detroit fan, so I'm not used to like yeah. cheering for a winning team. So, so for instance, for we come from Michigan, there are no real professional clubs that are near us. The closest one MLS wise is the Chicago Fire, and I don't think we as Michiganders can support a Chicago team. The reason Medi picked Leicester was because there there are not a lot of nearby teams to support for Michiganders to support. And like many Americans abroad, we ally ourselves with a particular Premier League team. And uh, Maddie went with a, a more poetic choice. Uh, this was post the 2015 Premier League champions, Leicester. Uh, I've been accused of uh, picking them because they did really well. Uh, well, the the thing is, um, a lot of Americans pick bigger teams, say Liverpool, to support because they win more consistently. So I think there's some respect to choosing a team that maybe has only won once or to choose a team that might never win again. So uh, a lot of respect to our Newcastle fans out there that were supporting Newcastle and the American Newcastle fans that were supporting Newcastle. And now there might be a bit of a lifeline. And we'll talk more about that later. However, Maddie, I want to talk with you about the United States men's team. We've got two performances on the docket. Uh, we're going to talk about the one we just watched. The game ended like 10 minutes ago. It's, uh, it's 8.42, quarter to 9 p.m. in New York City, and we got to talk about this dreadful performance from the U.S. against Panama in Panama, in Panama City. Thoughts, initial thoughts on the game? I mean... Maddie. <laughs> I sat there through the first half going, God, thank God we're a second half team. Thank God we're going to do something in the second half. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. And then the second half came and he, I I wrote down. Who's he? Greg. Okay. I wrote down just why. Why? I've been watching Ariel, Ariel, Ariel. Paul Ariel, yeah. For the last two games. I didn't really know him before this, but I've seen him play two like decent games and mm-hmm. he has been out hustling everybody. He has been the person that is fighting for the ball more than I've seen any other player. And he pulled him out in the se- beginning of the second half, but left Zardis up front and Bello and back. Okay. So just from your, your eye test, your, your looking at the game, you, you didn't like Paul. I mean, you did like Paul. Paul. You didn't like Zardis. I love love Paul. Paul. (laughs) (laughs) You you didn't like Zardis. You thought Bella was bad. I didn't think Bella really contributed anything. I mean, what's his uh, (laughs) Spider-Man? Okay. Brendan Aronson, Aronson. uh, who we think looks vaguely like Peter Parker when playing. He was tracking back and covering Bella's defensive player. He's not. I mean, Bella should have been there. And this is his first start. This is Bello is not a long time United States men's team. I don't know how many caps he's had, but this I think this might have been his first start. Maybe not as a sub, and is what I'm getting at. And he did. All, I mean, I thought he did all right defensively. He tracked back pretty well. He didn't. I think what the United States team lacked, almost apparently obvious to almost anyone watching it was a, a, st- a foot forward, a way to advance the ball threateningly. And Bellow, as well as Shaq Moore, uh, the two fullbacks, simply didn't 
um, contribute in that way. The United States men's team lost uh, zero to one in Panama, and I think the men's team had a total of five shots the entire game. I don't know if any of them were on target. Weren't there two on target? There was the header from the first half that he had to put over the bar. Sorry, five shots total, four off target, one on target. Yes, f- from Pepe, I believe. Yeah, no. Yeah. Walker Zimmerman's was off target. Oh, the header? Yeah. And, oh, okay. It was unfortunate. I thought they looked like they were missing leadership. There was nobody yeah. on the field that was, like, giving direction, showing people, like, make this run, go here, and... In the first game, there was Dest, there was McKinney. McKinney? Yeah. Yeah. And there was, I mean, even Pepe in the second half of the first game had some leadership, but there was nobody that was really taking the team and saying, like, we're going to push forward. And, like, I don't know. They looked lost. They did look lost. Yeah. There was not a lot of um, clear direction going forward, right? So when you, you, you could see... A clear, obvious example of this would be Yanis Musa. Didn't have a good game. Uh, Yanis Musa is our creative attacking midfielder that uh, I'm hoping, and many fans are hoping, that is going to be the starter uh, in the attack, is the attacking midfielder. And he didn't look like he knew where to go with the ball. He was he was on the ball a lot, which, which means usually as a forward player, you're looking around trying to find a play, trying to find a pass, um, a runner, anyone. And you just don't see any. And so then he gets dispossessed. Panama sweep back, and the attack from them starts again. We did not have the majority of possession against Panama. And it's a problem I have with Barrett Halter sometimes. He'll have these weird philosophies against teams where maybe he gets inside his own head on tactics. And then when we get there, we just don't play well because he wants to play counterattacking soccer. And I don't really understand it against a team like Panama. Um... So I was looking at the wrong game. We had five shots, four off target, one was blocked. So we didn't have any on target. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> if Musa had some direction from leadership, from a person, like from a player that yeah. has played multiple games, yeah. there would have been a lot more that he could have done. I think he needed someone with a little bit more experience on the field. Definitely. We, we just, I mean, we, we didn't travel with four of our yeah, leader the, players. The, we, yeah. There are four European, four, three of our European players were not with the squad. Yep. We had a very young team out on the field. I'm looking at Zardis is the only, is the oldest guy here. Thirty. He's thirty. Yeah, he's got a great skincare routine. Yeah. Wow. Right. <laughs> it might be the hair. the The highlight is yeah. I thought he was like twenty two. Oh no, no, he's been at the LA Galaxy for a while. Let's see how long he's been at the LA Galaxy since 2012. Oh, and he, and he went to the Columbus Crew in 2018. I didn't know that. Okay. Anyway, Ariola, I think, is a, a guy that ha, like has a lot of experience under his belt as a consistent starter for DC United. And he should be, you know, him and Zardis should be up there with Wea, right? Who's the young guy, plays for Lille, has a lot of raw talent. I'm really hoping he takes off at some point. Injuries have hampered him, but he just didn't look like at his best at all. I didn't see much of them. The players we saw most of were the midfield. And Zimmerman. And Walker Zimmerman had a had a good game. He had a decent game. I think uh you know, he he was the captain this game and he had a lot of pressure as the captain trying to corral these guys towards a tie 
you know, towards an away point, and he just couldn't do it. Yeah, it was tough. I would like to talk about briefly before we move on, Colin Acosta. Midfielder plays for the Colorado Rapids, and he just he looked lost. He like the rest of the team, but him especially more than the others was were making some pretty bad mistakes, losing the ball in possession, and going for a lot of long balls over the top of the line. The U.S. were doing this thing where they were trying to lob it over the back line because they had nowhere else to go, and the def- the Panama defense would just sweep it up, take it away and restart their attack. That's the only thing we had. I felt like my high school soccer team, I felt like I was watching them. Like, if we just put the uh, my high school soccer team, put them on the field against Panama, it. I mean, like, we'd be trapped. Like, we would get just destroyed. But, like, let's pretend Panama were, like, on an equal footing with us. I felt like that was us. Because all we did was just long ball after long ball to our one striker. And uh, – I I don't enjoy that kind of play. I don't think a lot of people do, especially if you're a U.S. men's team fan. So No, and I don't think our striker was good enough for us to long ball him balls for him to score. I mean, they weren't doing anything up there. Yeah. yeah. I did, while you were talking about something else, I was like, it felt, I was watching the midfield just get dispossessed, play lost. And I was like, this is exactly how I felt when I was playing midfield. I never knew what to do in center mid. <laughs> I liked the yeah, line, yeah. the wide uh, wide lines. I could cross it. And I knew where yeah. to go. But center mid, I never knew where I was. I never knew where I was supposed to be. And that's how I felt like that they looked like that they were playing. Was center mid your, uh, your position? No, 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 no. That they, I literally told every coach, like, oh. do not put me in. Oh, you actively. I didn't. do not know what I'm doing. There. Okay, what did you, what did you do? Wide mid. You were wide. So yeah. you, were you like a, like a wing back? Uh, I'm not really sure if we had like. That's fair. It was high school. It, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you were just like a right or left midfield. Yeah. You like you stuck to one part of the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Okay, USA Jamaica. The United States faced Jamaica. Previously on Thursday, this uh, last week, and we look good. We look great, and most notably, you know who else looked great, Maddie? Ricardo Pepe looked great. Goal! Pepe goal! Pepe scored two, our only two to beat Jamaica in a fantastic game that was not nearly uh, the same game as the one we just talked about. We look good. We look great. We look fabulous. Ricardo Pepe. We had leadership. We had a direction. Four words. Four words. Onwards. Uh, at, Tyler Adams was our captain that game. We, we, we did look good. And we had, uh, we, admittedly, we had more of our A-team guys up. But uh, we were at home, so a lot of advantages our way that game. But I think that it was a valuable win because Jamaica are not a pushover team. They were missing two of their tip-top players, Leon Bailey from Aston Villa and Mikhail Antonio from West Ham. So it'd be bad, it'd be bad news bears if, uh, if we ran into them with those two. So thankfully we didn't. You think we wouldn't have come out with that result if those two were playing? I don't know, but we would have definitely, they would have been more threatening for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bad. You know how I was saying Walker Zimmerman looked really good. I think he would have looked less good because he hadn't had a real like test as a starting center back. 
But if you get Mikel Antonio in there and Leon Bailey to like help feed him, that'd be like real threatening. And so if uh, if we had done well against those two, I would have felt way more confident. But still, three points is three points is three points. What do you remember from that game? Do you have any feelings, takeaways? Ariola. Paul Ariola. Paul Ariola. Paul Ariola. Paul Ariola. Paul Ariola. <laughs> he was just constantly impressing me with his hustle for the ball. I mean, there was never a time when the ball was near him that he wasn't full on, full tilt, sprinting at it. Full tilt? Yeah. You never go full tilt. Paul Ariola went full tilt. He did. Wow. And he won. He won a lot of, like, the... It was it was a good press by like one singular player. It was a good press. Who else? I did say Zimmerman was like looked good. Yeah, but you're right. He probably just didn't have like a lot of no. Uh, but like he, he looked good yeah. regardless, right? Yeah. Good performance. Yeah, he looked good. He went well with the Zimmerman Miles Robinson pairing uh, this game, and we looked real, real smooth, real threatening. Smooth like jazz. I mean, we didn't have Polisic. We didn't have da, 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 da. Reyna. Him. Or there was another one. There was a third one. Defense. You're talking about John Brooks? Yes. Johnny Boy? John Brooks. John Boy the Brookman. A yeah. lot of our a lot of the team that has played together for a while. Yeah, that's true. A lot of the 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 t- tried and true boys in blue that would feature this game were not. Uh, but we had good showings, like you said, from Paul Ariola, Walker Zimmerman. I'd like a special shout-out to my boy Anthony Robinson. Just a fantastic left back. Should start. Great defensively. If you could just work on your crosses a little bit more. Just a little baby bit yeah. more. Uh, that's it though. That's my, that's my, that's my only little thing about him. You know, Musa had a better game. He was okay. He was okay. He, he is, had people to direct. Yes. They were cruise directors yes. playing. He knew where to go exactly. because they were in the other space. Of course. He knew what space that. Yes. And if he can just get a little bit more playing time at Valencia, I think he could really develop into something. I'm a Yonas Musa truther. And I think that we have a lot of potential with this guy. Who else started? Serginio Dest had an assist. I think. Had a good game. Yeah. Good game. I think, so what the U.S. was doing, I don't know if you noticed this. Probably not. Well, you probably did. I'm just going to tell you anyway. Thank you. For you guys. Serginho Dest is a great attacking fullback. If you only think of him as an attacking fullback, he's a great player. Don't think of him as a defender. He's not a defender. He just won't. And so if you only think of him that way, he's a really good player. So he's just midfield. He's he's an attack. He's a he's an attack man. Midfield, sure. Forward, sure. So what he would do is we just roam up the right, right? He would yeah. just like be coasting around, looking for balls. Sometimes he would do too much and lose it. Other times you make a great play. What Anthony Robinson and Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman would do was they would just kind of shift over to account for that. So it would be more of a three back with Adams being like a, a helper guy. Up like around them. So Anthony Robinson is really valuable in that aspect as a defensive fullback because he's able to let Serginho get up farther. Is Dest good at defense then? No, no. Then why? (laughs) Why is he playing defense? Because he, he was trained as a fullback at Ajax. He was signed as a fullback for Barcelona. 
So this is his role he occupies. Now, of course, he's right and left-footed, so he can occupy both sides, which is, he's super, he's a super good utility player um, in that sense. Like, if Anthony Robinson got injured, we'd shift Dest over to the left, and then DeAndre Yedlin would be right back, and everything would be fine, sort of. And so, uh, <laughs> so if we just take Zest, Zest, if we take Dest with a little Zest, we can, and he just roams up the right, up and down, it's, like, it's really nice, and this team operates great in that aspect. So I think Dest is just not a defender. You can't think of him like that, and that's my stance, and that's why him and Aronson had such a good game, because he would be up with him, and they'd be you know up there canoodling around, making plays. They had really good balls to each other. Yeah, exactly. And so we had a good game. Pepe is, as all the U.S. men's team uh, fans are overreacting about, he is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a true striker. He has a great sense of timing, which uh, some of our strikers haven't had that good sense. And uh, who are you talking about? No one in particular, Josh or Geisy or who am I? Uh, uh, Jordan P. Folk. <sighs> Not you three. You three are fine. I'm talking about other strikers. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So, uh, but it, you know, if he develops more, I see. I keep saying develops more because we have all these young guys. We have like one of the youngest rosters ever. So uh, if Pepe develops more, it's going to be great. We're th- this is such an exciting time to be a men's player. You should get on the bandwagon. It's free. Just hop on. The only get thing you uh, have to pay for is the emotional trauma. Yeah, but that'll come later. Nope, that <laughs> happened tonight. Yeah. So do you have anything to add anything to um, any feelings? I think I've exhausted my talking points. I'm going to scroll through my notes one more time. I had two questions that I wrote down during the game today. Okay. Oh, during the game today. Yes. Okay. I mean, they're just like general questions about the U.S. men's team and or soccer in general. Okay. Have we had a really good U.S. men's team coach? <sighs> yes. Who? Okay. Uh, I am trying to think of his name, but we... So the U.S. men's national team. So if we... Let's consider for a moment that the performance metric for the U.S. men's team is World Cup performances. Because we don't have a super prestigious Continental Cup like the Gold Cup because the surrounding countries just simply aren't developed enough, right? Um, And that's just the way it goes. Uh, Like the Euros. Everyone watches the Euros. The the South American one. The Copa America. A lot of people watch that because you've got Brazil, you've got Argentina, you've got Colombia, you've got Uruguay. You got uh, a lot of big players coming of, from those yeah, countries. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of qual and like just football is like they breathe football down. There. I mean, football soccer. Is life? Football is life. Yes, I, 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 and so like people tune in. People don't tune in for uh, Trinidad and Tobago versus the United States, even if Trinidad and Tobago win against the United States. So uh, our our when we we come to the world stage at the World Cup, usually we go out in groups. That's just because. These are the top, top teams, right? I mean, you've got so many big hitters out there. France, Germany, Belgium now, Denmark, for instance. I mean, like, like if we went against Brazil, that's terrifying. You think Neymar, Rutten, and Walker Zimmerman, you think that's going to leave you feeling good? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, I would be like, that's it. Game over, thrown in the towel. He's just going to, like, you know, teleport to the other side of Walker Zimmerman and curl him past turn, and that's it. <laughs> But we, when we do, when we have gotten to the groups, I think it's been the round of 16 is the farthest we've ever made it. And I'm just double checking my facts here. 
Yeah, so in a uh, recent, recent one that a lot of fans will remember was our loss to Belgium in the World Cup uh, 2014. Jurgen Klinsmann, good coach. Totally forgot about him. 2014 World Cup, he took us all the way to extra time against Belgium that you might, if you don't remember, Tim Howard had a just insane amount of saves, the most of any goalkeeper in a knockout round in the game. We still lost. Uh, that was the team that had Clint Dempsey, right? Oh, okay. A on or off um, Josie Altidore, right? Michael Bradley was like a semi-competent center defensive mid. Tim Howard, the secretary of defense. And so, yeah, we've had good, we've had good coaches. We haven't, we've also had bad coach, Bruce Arena. Bad. He's the guy that didn't get us qualified for the World Cup against continental teams like Trinidad and Tobago. So uh, we've had a lot of variants, and that's just like any national team. It's just that ours happened to be really bad. It was the same year Italy didn't qualify, right? So we weren't alone. How often do the coaches change for international oh. teams? Yeah, well, we've, national teams. we've had Greg for a while. We've had Greg since 2018. So Is that a long time for national coaches? Well, yeah, because a, a lot of their performances are dependent on big tournaments, right? right. So big famous example, Joachim Lowe, he coached Germany for, I think, 15 years. He got him to a World Cup. He got him to win a World Cup uh, with, like, one of the best squads ever. And then he kind of fizzled out after a while. And after a while, he said, I'm done. He left on his own terms there, uh, allegedly. And so... That was fine. Uh, it, it just depends on the performances, right? So, okay. like, 7-1, Brazil lost to Germany. Brazil's manager gone. That was it. They don't accept that. Wow. Yeah. So, like, some countries are super, like, if you don't do well with us, you're gone. But other teams, like the U.S., <laughs> we're like, Greg, you haven't lost a game in 13 games. That's great. Come on. Take us to a World Cup. That's fine. And you can't fault them for that. We haven't lost a game in 13 games till now, so... We haven't looked great all of those games No, but games we haven't either. lost the game. That's a, Oh, that's we tied... Important. How many of them were ties? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> but we got... We got... This this summer, we got two trophies. That was two two yeah. pieces of silverware. Yeah, and they were really fun games. Yeah, they so, were really I mean, like, you can't... Like, you cannot like his style, and I don't like his style. Oh, I know. I like his recruitment strategies. He's great at that. He's a fantastic guy to get dual nationals to come to the U.S. And, like, I, I love that about him. I don't like the way he coaches soccer, but I'm not saying he should be sacked because he gets good results. And that's fine. And whether he proves me wrong as a good coach or he proves me right as a good coach, if we make it to the World Cup, remains to be seen. And I will react accordingly. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's wish them the best for Costa Rica. When is that game? Yeah, Maddie, that game will be on Wednesday, the 13th of October at 7 p.m. Breaking news here at the Plastics Podcast. Newcastle have been acquired. Yeah. Newcastle United Football Club have been bought and sold. And now they have are under new ownership and soon to be new management. And the wheels of industry are turning over at Newcastle upon the Thine. The Tyne. I don't know how you say it, but it's a weird city name. <clears throat> Newcastle, United FC, Newcastle upon the Thine. The Tyne. 
the times are a changing for Newcastle, and uh, they've been bought. Um, so here, this segment is uh, more in a lens. You, the listener, might not know about it. You might know about it. I mean, if for those who follow soccer even slightly, I think you probably have heard about this because it was a very, very, very big news. Um, but uh, for those of you who haven't heard about it, we're going to do the format in a question and answer where Maddie, who hasn't read up much on the dealings or the purchasings, is going to ask me questions, and I'm going to do my best to answer them. And that way, uh, we can all treat this as a knowledge session where we all learn together. Because Yay. lots of these financial dealings are intentionally very obscure, so we, the common folk, don't understand much. And that's bad. So let's talk, Maddie. Do you have any burning design? What do you know about this deal? They have a lot of money. Who? Uh... The the company in the company. Saudi Arabia. Okay, that sounds like a question. This, you, I you, think you, you they were a there. Saudi company. Okay, that bought them with. Uh, they have a lot of money to kind of remake the club, and people aren't happy. Uh, Who's people? The Premier League teams. I've okay. seen on Reddit are like, hey, let's make a meeting and talk about this because I don't like it. And then people are like, well, you have a lot of money, too. So, like, why are you mad at this? Okay. And then they're like, no, they have too much money. Make it stop. Who? Okay. Where's this accent? Like, where, where are you from? <laughs> it's my big business, that's, man. <laughs> that's my big business accent. Okay. So, the Premier League clubs, the big business boys. <laughs> yeah. I'm just picturing all the managers like getting really up in yeah, arms and they're like, all like, I don't like it. They're like Monopoly men. Yeah, okay. yeah, big pot bellies. Uh, they've had a couple drinks in them. They called each other up. Like they hate each other, but in this moment, they're like, ah, that guy over at Tottenham's fine. I don't know where that accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so people are mad. Tottenham's managed by a man from the Florida Panhandle. <laughs> Boy, that Tottenham fella, he sure is fine. Let me give him a call. Let me see here. What's I mean, if number? Arsenal's talking to Tottenham, yeah. everything, all bets are off. That's true. That is that. You've got a good point. I, um, yeah. Okay, so the people, the Premier League clubs, are saying bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, they're. I'm waiting for you to ask me a question. Oh, here. you want a question? I'm trying to prompt a question out of you because this okay. is the segment. This yeah, is yeah, the yeah, point yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard because I I ask you guys a lot of questions right. just like generally throughout the week if something pops into my head. Of course. I guess what is the actual like dispa- dis- disparity? What's the difference between Man United or Man City? Man United? Manchester City and Manchester United? They which one is owned by oil? Man United. Oh, Manchester City. Okay. What's the difference between that conglomerate and Newcastle getting bought out? I know it's money, but they've promised not to influence the decisions even though they're the ones giving the money. Right. Okay. So to be, let's just clarify your question because there's a lot of like stutterings in there. You want to know what the difference is between the ownership of the, the fundamental difference as to who owns Manchester city and who owns Newcastle. Yeah. Why are they so mad about Newcastle being bought if they're literally bought the same way? That's, 
That's a good point. There's a bit of hypocrisy in there, isn't there? Yeah, so, well, Manchester City's mad because now they have a rival that can outspend them. That's why they're mad. When I say Manchester City, I mean Manchester City's owners, the City Financial Group. And they are mad because now uh, this, you might know them as royalty from Saudi Arabia, but officially they're known as the Public Investment Fund, PIF, okay? And they own 80% of Newcastle now. And so they technically, on paper, from the uh, reports I've read, are more rich than the City Financial Group. And so, technically, they are now the richest club in the Premier League, in the world, actually. And so, uh, they can spend more, they can buy more, and now City are threatened because they don't have that sort of bullying power in the Premier League. When's the next transfer market? January. Okay, so they can't do anything immediately. Except sack their manager and get a new one. So all the back office stuff, they can do en masse if they wanted to. They could fire all the backroom staff. They can bring in all of the top or all of their top men and women to run the club, including sacking the manager and hiring a new one. Uh, rumors about Antonio Conte uh, from Inter. Yeah, yeah. I thought they had already picked a guy and it wasn't Conte. Uh, no one has been confirmed yet. Okay. All we know is that Steve Bruce, the current manager, is on the way out. And so yeah. uh, now the new high-profile managers that are in a bit of limbo are being rumored and linked to Newcastle. And so they could do that now. And if Antonio Conte gets, you know, I assume some promises that he demands when he becomes coach, he will slowly start forming a squad. And then they will start heavily competing in the Premier League. So they can fire their manager now. They can't do anything with the players yet. Mm-hmm. They could hire pre agents from around the world, but most likely you'll see a lot of movings uh, next summer transfer window. Can they contact players? Sure. They're free to reach out to as many agents as they want. Huh. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of high profile players are having their agents talking to Newcastle as we speak. They. I mean, yeah, I guess they would get paid more if they, like, went there. Get the bag, yeah. But there's no team loyalty? The, they just want to go where the money is? Yes. <laughs> ah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I just uh, want this all wrapped up with a nice little bow and it, all the players to have team loyalty. It would be nice, but the teams aren't loyal to the players, so... That's true. It's tough. Okay. It's a tough... Uh, environment to create yeah even the most team loyal players like Lionel messi sometimes get screwed over i mean barcelona just didn't have any money they yeah. couldn't pay him right they couldn't pay him their best player yeah that's fair okay <laughs> yeah uh what's do you have a next question who owns the other 20 percent? well that's split into two parties 10 percent ownership apiece one is RB Sports and Media, and the other is PCP Capital Partners. RB Sports, like RB Leipzig? No. Okay. No, that's Rosenball Sports Group. Okay. These are two guys, David and Simon Rubin. Oh. And they were interested in the club, and they now have a 10% uh, stake. And they are, according to Wikipedia, the second richest family in the UK. 
Wow. With a net worth of $16 billion. Wow. Yes. So not only uh, are Newcastle majority owned by a Saudi investment firm, they are now partly owned by a rich uh, England family, English family. Okay. So what is stopping other teams from saying, hey, oil company, hey, billion-dollar investor, why don't you buy our club? And, and, and then all of this will just be moot. Every club will have some... That's the depressing worry. <sighs> I don't like that. Leicester City are owned by a billionaire. Just Arsenal one guy? Are owned... Um, I, that's a good question, actually. Uh, he recently died oh, in a helicopter crash. What? Yeah. When? Like a year and a half, like two years ago. What? Yeah, it was huge news. Where was I? I don't know. It was really tragic. Like, it was not expected. He was take, He took off from the King Power Stadium. Oh. Yeah. And uh, he died. But moving on from that, uh, Liverpool... Arsenal, Manchester United, all the big clubs, right? I mean, they have to be funded by somebody fairly rich to have these kinds of budgets. Of course, that is the but crux. are all of them selling their soul? But you have to understand about soccer, football, is that culturally it has always been about the fans. And it's obvious when I say it, but in hindsight, the Premier League isn't really about the fans anymore. It is about profits and it's about viewership on all the networks. And when profits, viewership, the primary movers of sports league, there ceases to be an intimate connection of the team with the surrounding community. If a guy like me is a fan of Liverpool Football Club overseas in a town I've never been to, in a stadium I've never gone to see a game in, and people like me pay money to go over there and watch a game, it takes a seat away from a local boy, girl, person that would otherwise want to see their team, their hometown team, play. And so, when you get these billionaires who don't care about the local culture, who don't care about fostering a relationship between the players and the community, between the team and building a better community it starts to feel less connected. And that's what the fans have been yelling about for decades. And that is why another brick has fallen out of place with an outside influence, like the private investment fund, coming and purchasing Newcastle. And so that is why so much noise is being generated around the world about this. You get teams in the Premier League that look at this and they think, gosh, I now have to compete with another team that has billions of dollars in funding, in, uh, in, you know, in investment, and they have all these resources available at their hands now. How am I supposed to compete with that? How am I supposed to expect to, one, stay in the Premier League, much less win the damn thing, if I don't even have a fraction of the team's net worth? The answer is you don't. And so the teams then shop around for billionaire owners. Aston Villa are owned by a very rich person, and they aren't even in contention for a super team, right? 
And so the conversation then evolves into this wild argument around what soccer is really about. And that's partly why the Super League ties into all this, because the Premier League teams, some of them and others from the surrounding top flight club uh, leagues, decided to disconnect from the fans altogether and create their own Super League in the name of money and viewership and rights. And it's a very, uh, it's a very tough position for everyone to be in. I mean, how do you think the Newcastle fans feel now? I would say very conflicted. I would say, uh, on one hand, they're probably elated that their former owner, Mike Ashley, is gone because he was running the club into the ground. But now they've traded... They're out of the frying pan and into the fire. And so now they have to deal with the moral dilemma of supporting a investment fund, an owner that supports immoral things like slavery, like homophobia. And as a supporter who's so intimately linked with a town club like Newcastle, what are you supposed to do? Just throw your jersey into the trash and walk away? Of course not. How can you be expected to do that? So I've been thinking about it a lot in relationship with my own fandom identity, with uh, whether supporting a team from Liverpool that is owned by an American sports group, uh, American media group, excuse me, is, uh, is something that's even morally correct. And so the long story short is that this is a complicated situation that this is a sad situation and that this will nonetheless bring more money to the Premier League and people will continue to watch it. I will continue to watch it. So it's messy. Yeah, a lot of conflicting... I was anticipating all your further questions with that long tangent, so I figured I'd answered all the future questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. But please... More questions. This is the this is the this is the this is the part of the show where Maddie asks questions. <laughs> so I was also reading about this during the week, and something about the German leagues came up. Of course, and they aren't allowed to have this, right? They're not allowed to have these huge conglomerates come in and privately fund their clubs except for one German team. A couple. A couple. A couple. Yeah. Uh, so what you're referring to is the 50 plus one rule. Yeah. And this is a concept that isn't maybe necessarily familiar with a lot of American sports fans because we don't have this. And I think really Germany is one of the only countries that actually employs this. But basically it is a by law, the fans own 51% of all their professional sports teams. I mean, sorry, 51%, which is a majority. And so uh, technically, you get these big investors. They don't own it. They just own part of it. Mm -hmm. Like we, like they, we, you can come in, right? And you can say, hey, uh, I would like to buy this club. And the Germans will say, nein, mm -hmm. you can buy part of this club. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, of course, because it's about the fans, because it connects the fans to the sport. And if the fans have the majority of the say in the team, of course, they'll feel more connected to the club. They directly influence. Mm -hmm. So when you get why that, and that's partly why uh, German fan culture is so intense. It's so well. It's 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 idealistic almost. And so you have a couple teams like uh, RB Leipzig, 
Wolfsburg, Hoffenheim, and they are owned entirely by one person, one entity, and the Germans hate those teams. <laughs> so when you had a competition like last year uh, in the Bundesliga, where it was either Bayern Munich, a Bavarian giant that has won the Bundesliga nine times in a row, or RB Leipzig, a team that has never won it, and it would be a very refreshing change in pace for another team to win it, but they're not owned by the fans. They'd rather have Bayern Munich win it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that's the, the fans own the team. The fans own the league. The fans are the league. And that's what it should be. That's what soccer is about, is going to your Sunday uh, league, it's your Sunday game, watching the team, hanging out with the community afterwards, for better or for worse if they lose, uh, and just feeling connected to where you're from. And that is not what's happening in England. It's further and further from it lately. Well, with the top flight, with the Premier League, yes. Mm -hmm. And eventually, maybe with the championship, as more teams come under ownership, there is rumors of Mike Ashley, the former owner of Newcastle, like I've said, buying Derby County, who is in a lot of financial straits right now. And so he might buy them and try to invest some money in them, but at least he's English, I suppose. So... Is there a team in the Premier League that is backed by fans? That's owned by fans 100%? No, like the 50 plus one or anything? The English system doesn't have that in place. Okay. Most of these teams have been purchased and are owned by rich owners, which isn't a bad thing necessarily if the owners have good intent, but oftentimes it becomes a dick measuring contest between oil states from afar in a league that isn't their own. So here we are. Sad music. I don't know where that would be. <laughs> I've got this. Let's smoke a cigarette. That's a wagon. No, let's Those do the French crickets. accordion. I want to pretend want to smoke it. a cigarette. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's not, <laughs> it's not sad. That's, this is the one we used for the messy transfer, right? <laughs> One more question, Maddie. This isn't about Newcastle. Okay. So, like, Ant- Antonio Conte? Yeah. He stopped coaching, what, last year? That's correct. Is he just, like, hanging out? Yeah. Is he... Do you, how He's old do coaches coach till? Pretty old. Okay. You can be pretty old, like, yeah. late 70s. He's, like, 50? Yeah, he's, he's got time. Yeah. I didn't like him at first, but he grew on me. He's a very... um. Demanding. Very demanding, very intense, very polarizing figure. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But he gets results, so be a good signing if Newcastle get him. I think my my heart wants this to be more wholesome. Okay. My heart is wanting Premier League to be like Ted Lasso. Uh, we can talk about Ted Lasso. <laughs> no, it's very sad. We just watched the finale. <laughs> uh, you should watch Ted Lasso. It's, it's it's a pretty good show. It's very good. It's not about soccer. But like those players have such like uh, oh I don't like uh, I I don't care if you know you're gonna pay me millions and millions of dollars. I don't want to play for a club that has like is backed by this like conglomerate. You do mean you think, Sam? Yeah. Do you think players? will 
not care and just take the money? Or do you think they'll be like, you know what, I would rather play for? At the end of the day, the players will probably take the money. It's the smart choice for them. You know, you'd be well off for the rest of your life if you take the money. There are instances where players ensure the status of the team they are a part of more. That's why a lot of players demand they go to Real Madrid when they have their chance. What league do they play in? (laughs) In the Spanish League, La Liga. Oh, okay. Yeah. And sometimes players, as they get older and aren't the superstars they once were, but um, still want to contribute to the team, they take pay cuts. So they will say, please, if you don't transfer me, I'll take a pay cut. And you say, sure, I'll do that. And a lot of Barcelona players are doing it because the, the team's on fire. Very occasionally is it about I want to stick with the team. If you look deep into it enough, there's always transfer drama with every player. Because it's tough. Because if, you, if you're Steven Gerrard and you want to win a Premier League trophy because you've never won one, even though you're one of the greatest midfielders of the English generation. And you are at a Liverpool team that's competing, but even at their highest peaks, they still haven't won it. And Chelsea comes calling as the new kid on the block that has everyone. You might want to go. And that's a lot of what the transformers were about with Steven Gerrard and Chelsea. He might transfer. He never did, but he wanted to. At, mm-hmm. some, at some point in his life and his moments there, he wanted to go. Yeah. That's why Harry Kane wants to leave Tottenham. Yeah. Right? Tottenham boy, the England's favorite son, wants to go to Man City to win a trophy. He's reaching the tail end of his best years, and who wouldn't want to get at least a Premier League under their belts to say they did something? It's not, it's not a bad thing to want to do that, and it shouldn't be, but it is. So... Who is Public Investment Fund? Briefly, on Public Investment <laughs> Fund, I'll just read their introductory summary. Okay. The first sentence on Wikipedia to give you a sense. The Public Investment Fund is a sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. It is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. Meaning the governing people of Saudi Arabia own and operate this fund. Saudi Arabia owns this fund. They operate it. It is among the largest sovereign wealth funds in the world with a total estimated assets of at least $500 billion. Now, when private investment fund came a knocking to Newcastle, they made assurances that the Saudi Arabian government would not be the controlling interest in Newcastle. It would be the public investment fund, meaning that the royal families or the men that move would not be controlling Newcastle, so they say. So literally just the government of Saudi Arabia owns Newcastle. In, yes. Yeah. Essentially, yes.
Happy birthday, Blair. You thought we'd forgotten because it's been three days. <laughs> Blair celebrated a birthday. He turns, we won't reveal his age to the viewers. So, uh, dear viewers, please wish Blair a happy belated birthday. Uh, he is another year around the sun, and he uh, will be back later. But, uh, yeah, so it's late. Uh, we, we still have to eat dinner because we've been recording for you. And uh, then uh, I just got a Blair opinion about the game. Oh, well, that is far too late. He said, looks like USA really shat the bed. Uh, and that is Blair's opinion on the game. Okay. <laughs> according to Blair, uh, according to sources outside the politics podcast, the USA shat the bed. Yep. yep. Anything else to add, Maddie? Uh, please rate, review. Please review. It really helps our podcast. We want to kind of get to be known more. So please rate, review, subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere. And we are also on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter. Twitter. I think the guys run the Twitter. We run the Twitter. And they uh, tweet we, a lot. We run the meme so content. So if you yeah. want some good memes, if you want some good laughs or some hot takes, follow us on Twitter at... We are at the Plastics Pod. On Twitter and on Instagram, we are... Uh, Plastics Podcast. Yes. And YouTube is just our name. Yep. And if you have uh, any questions, please DM us anywhere on there. Yeah. If you want us to talk about something, a topic, DM us and we will do it. We will We will literally talk... We will talk about anything... Tan- if you want us to talk about the Ted Lasso finale, I swear to God, I'll break it in a scene-by-scene analysis. It'll be great. I will cry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can contact, you can DM us uh, anywhere on the Plastics Podcast uh, via Instagram, via Twitter, but we also have an email, plasticspodcontact at yep. gmail.com. And you can email us there uh, if you want, you know, to send us anything via email. Sounds like a really old fashioned thing to do. If you would like to write us a letter, please fax us over at the Plastics Pod, Beep. extension 461. Oh, we have a fax coming in right now. It's a question from Minneapolis. <laughs> Sarah writes. Okay, anyway, we got to go, guys. Cut it, cut it, I cut need it. to eat. Cut the pod, cut the pod. All right, uh, this has been fun. Thanks yeah. for letting me uh, talk for once. Producer Maddie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for asking me insightful questions. And thank you for offering, please, uh, <clears throat> thank you for offering very I'm going to take that again. Please. Thanks for offering insightful commentary on the games for the U.S. men's team. And let's hope that they do better against Costa Rica this week. Fingers crossed. Bye. We didn't want this music. No, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs>